Hello there, this is Mark Bauerlein with another conversation. Before we get to it, a word about one of our sponsors. Located in the foothills of Wyoming's spectacular Wind River Range, Wyoming Catholic College, an accredited four-year Great Books institution, is built on the ancient Western tradition of the liberal arts and the freedom of the American West. The college offers its students an immersion in the primary sources of the classical tradition, the grandeur of the mountain wilderness, and the spiritual heritage of the Catholic Church. Students experience the illumination of imagination and intellect through the great books and traditional disciplines, literature and philosophy, mathematics and theology, science and Latin, and an outdoor program second to none. The college celebrated an in-person graduation with its seniors last year and welcomed its largest freshman class ever this year. Learn more about the college's unique space in the world of American higher education at wyomingcatholic.edu. George Yancey is with us today. He is professor of sociology at Baylor University and the author of What Motivates Cultural Progressives? Understanding Opposition to the Political and Christian Right. And also, So Many Christians, So Few Lions. Is there Christianophobia in the United States? He has a new book out, co-authored with Ashley Kwosik. I hope I pronounced that name correctly, uh, Professor Yancey, but it's entitled One Faith No Longer. The Transformation of Christianity in Red and Blue America, our topic today. Welcome, Professor Yancey. Thanks for having me. I think it's Quizic is, is the way to pronounce it. Quizic, Quizic. Okay, okay. Thank you. Uh, sure. Now, um, you note uh, right off that while we have lots of literature on religious conservatives, uh, in the social sciences, we don't have all that much on religious progressives. Why do you think that is? You know, I think in part it's because most religious individuals in the social sciences tend to be more progressive than conservative. And so there's probably a tendency to take for granted their own experiences and not to really want to reach out and take a critical eye to what they see day to day. And rather, they want to take that critical eye to the, to the conservatives. And so I think that's part of why we have a lot more literature on, on conservative Christians as opposed to progressive Christians. And you yourself say that you found that among progressives, political conformity, this is one of, one of the major findings uh, in your previous work and that you bring forward in, in this book, that political conformity matters more than theological conformity when we're talking about religious progressives. That's the case? Yes, although I would nuance that a little bit. Yeah. It's you know, because political brings in partisanship, and I think that's less important than certain values they have, certain what we call social justice values. I think that is more important than theological conformity for the progressive Christian. And do, uh, do, do progressive Christians, maybe we should put it this way, how do progressive Christians express that, that, that desire for conformity? Well, we did. We we lived this two ways. One was quantitatively, and so we used a question on a national survey, called a thermometer question, from zero to one hundred. How much you like a group? I mean, I'm I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what it is. And we found with progressive Christians, your the political dynamic of groups was more important than the theological dynamics and whether or not they liked liked them or not. In other words, they like groups. They're more like the like groups that were aligned with them politically than they're aligned with them theologically. And thus, they rated 
fundamentalist Christians below groups such as atheists and Muslims, even though they would probably disagree with atheists, or they, they would disagree with atheists and Muslims more so than with uh, conservative Christians. So that's one way. Another way was qualitative work and just talking with progressive Christians through interviews and looking up blogs. One can see how they, how they create alliances with progressives of all different faiths in a way that they don't with conservative Christians. So in a couple of ways, we can really see how this plays itself out. You, would you say that religious progressives, in some ways, feel closer to atheists, even, than they do to religious conservatives? I would, I'd be very comfortable saying that, yes. <laughs> so, George, how do you, do you, do you have a, a, an interpretation of that finding? Uh, why that is, maybe, or? Well, you know, for me, the sort of central finding of the entire book is that I, that I think we're becoming two different, distinct religions, uh, conservative Christians and progressive Christians. And so I think that that's the, the core finding. Now, the reason why I argue that, and I'm, I'm getting to your question, I'm not ignoring your question, is that the, the way in which you construct meaning, you know, your purpose, you, how you value things, your identity, the way you construct meaning, I think is critical to what your religion is. Because my interpretation of religion, my de definition of religion, is how we define meaning, how we answer questions of meaning. And for aggressive Christians, it's, it's once again, it's those social justice values that they use. And in that way, they're more aligned with the humanist atheists than the conservative Christian. For a conservative Christian, the way they define their meaning is their interpretation of the Bible. Now we can argue about whether or not they have a good interpretation or, or not, and, and as a social scientist, that's not my point. My point is not whether they're right or wrong in their interpretation, but that's where they look to find their meaning. And when you have such different ways of finding meaning, even though you're using the same terms, eventually you're gonna see two distinct religions develop out of that. And so if the way a progressive Christian finds their meaning is through values of social justice, not whether or not Jesus Christ rose from the dead, although I'm not saying they don't believe that, I'm just saying that that's not how they find their meaning. If that's how they find their meaning, then the secular atheist or the, the Muslim who is more progressive and, and politically and, and fights for social justice issues, they're going to be more aligned with them than with the conservative Christians who they, may agree, who they both may agree that the Bible is very important. So that's why I make that sort of argument. I think that, that that is one of the fundamental arguments in the book. I think it's a very far-reaching point that deserves to be read. It deserves to be talked about uh, extensively, and I hope that I hope that that happens. Do do religious progressives regard themselves as in, in, in your qualitative discussions? Do they see themselves as any less religious than religious conservatives? Oh no! Oh no! They don't. They, <laughs> some of them. Some of them. I, I don't want to paint too broad a brush because it's yeah. not fair to do either. But, but some of them see themselves as more religious than conservative Christians. They, they have a, a, a true sense of Christianity than conservative Christians because because of their inclusion and their tolerance and their desire for for the poor. So that what they're doing is real Christianity 
as opposed to what they see conservative Christians are doing. So I don't think that they would they would define themselves as less religious. Yeah. Another distinction you bring up that helps you organize your data is the modernist fundamentalist conflict. And you go back in time. When how, how did that division develop? Well, we looked at that because you know the visions like today just don't happen by accident. They don't happen in a vacuum. They happen because of what's happened in the past. And the most important event, in my opinion, in the past that helped to set up this division was that modernist fundamentalist conflict. And indeed, I don't think it's real unrealistic to say that the, the modernists were the ancestors to what we today call progressive Christians, and the fundamentalists are the ancestors to what we today call conservative Christians, even though not all conservative Christians today are fundamentalists. So I, I think that Understanding that helps us to understand how we've gotten to where we've gotten to. And when you look at one's religious views and one's political views, uh, over time, has it become harder for someone who is a religious conservative to be a political, a political liberal or a political modernist? That the, that the, that the divisions are, are hardening more and more. Is that true? Yeah, you know, it, that's interesting. I think that that's true in our country today because it's become so polarized. And I know that we've had a civil war, and so I can't say this is the most polarized our country's ever been, but it, I think it's up there as to how polarized we are compared to earlier points of our history. And so I think that that's true just in general. That's hard to have a foot in both camps, you know, like if you're a conservative Christian to also be progressive politically. Now, those people do exist, just like there are some progressive Christians, although I think there are fewer in numbers, who are progressive Christians and politically conservative. So those people do exist, but I think it's harder because there's so much polarization in our society today to do that. Yeah. We know where progressive Christians stand on social justice. Uh, you, you bring this out, that the church should be a vehicle of social justice. Where do conservatives stand on social justice and, and the church, given even assuming that, that they have different conceptions of what, of what yeah, social justice you know, is? Yeah, I, I think we should always be careful not to say something like, okay, because uh, Christians don't tolerate anybody, don't do, are not inclusive at all, progressive Christians are all of this, or to say that progressive Christians don't care about the Bible and conservative Christians do. I think that those sort of statements don't, are not very helpful. So there are conservative Christians who care about social justice issues. There are conservative Christians who care about some of the same issues as progressive Christians, and yet they maintain their, their religious conservatives, uh, conservative beliefs. So, so that exists. And it's true that some of them care about the issues, but their solutions are different than what's offered by progressive Christians. You know, all of that is true. On the average, though, the conservative Christian does not look towards social justice values to then interpret how they construct meaning in a way that progressive Christians do. So that, I think, is a very critical difference. Let me use this, and I wish I put this in the book. It came to me after the book, but it's a really great example on the difference between the two groups. And that's the issue of homosexuality. Okay, so homosexuality, is it a social justice issue or not? 
the conservative Christian will look to the Bible and based on their interpretation of the Bible, and once again, I'm not saying, I'm not getting, I'm trying not trying to get into the theology of this, all right? I'm not trying to make that argument. But based on their interpretation of the Bible, they're more likely to say that homosexuality is sinful. And even though we can have compassion for people who have same-sex attraction, and even though we should not be, you know, many of them will say we should not be mean or crude to them, we still have to call it as a sin and treat it as such. So the tolerance only comes after they have, had their, have made their interpretation from the Bible. For the progressive Christian, what they go to first is their values of social justice. And for the vast majority of them, their interpretation of those values is that uh, same-sex attraction, uh, homosexual desires are not evil, and we should tolerate them. And we should in- be inclusive. And here's where you get affirming congregations. We don't just say, well, we're not going to say the sin, but we're going to affirm you in in your same-sex attraction or transgender if you want to go that that direction. And only after that do you go to the Bible in order to understand where you're, where you're going. And so the, they both, to some degree, hold the Bible in esteem and are tolerant. But one group tends to go to their interpretation of the Bible first in order to make their in order to understand this particular issue. The other group goes to their values of social justice in order to interpret that issue. And I think when you understand that, then a lot of things become clear. Yeah. The, you, you do bring up another issue that has become very topical just in the last month or two, and that is the abortion issue. Uh, mm-hmm. That's in, in Chapter 3 of your book. How does abortion play out within your groups? Do actually we see a case here where religion and politics don't always line up neatly. Right, right, yeah. Now, once again, I want to be careful. There's plenty of progressive Christians who are pro-choice. Yeah. However, abortion, I did find, was an issue in which they tended to disagree. They're more likely to disagree with the political ideology of progressives. And so that was an issue that, that for some progressive Christians, they said, well, I'm pro-life, even though I am politically progressive. What was interesting, and we looked at blogs of pro-life progressive Christians, what was interesting was that while they were pro-life, they generally did not argue for a change of the law. They, they, they generally argued that we should discourage abortion, we should do things to make it easier for a woman to carry the child to birth, uh, and then that was their interpretation of pro-life, being pro-life. But they generally did not, if you look at other pro-life groups, the drill did not argue that we should change the law. And so hmm. it's interesting to see how they're looking at the recent Supreme Court cases and what they're thinking about that. Yeah. Uh, so the, so and one of the ways I look at that is they, even though it's social justice values and not politics, they have political allies that they, I don't think, want to offend. And so they'll go only so far, with some exceptions, uh, there's Kampala and there's Christian Powers, with some exceptions, uh, they won't call for legal changes. And so even though it's a social justice issue, unlike other social justice issues, they don't actually call for illegal changing of the law, not nearly as much as they would say on something like poverty or, or same-sex marriage or things of this nature. So I think that's a very telling way of how they prioritize what's really important in their value system. Yeah. 
Let's pause for a moment to ask if you are looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium. That's the University of Dallas in Irving, Texas. Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the university offers an exceptional liberal arts education with undergraduate and graduate programs in arts and sciences, business, and ministry, as well as a campus in Rome, Italy, all of them preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. The next issue that you bring up is the immigration issue. Do we see here, too, a little occasional mixing of the categories in that there are left-wing and right-wing arguments for and against immigration, or at least certain levels of immigration the way they have been going for the last few decades. Yeah, so, you know, when we did the pro-life progressive Christians, we needed also to look at conservative Christians and see how they deal with an issue where they disagree with their party space. And that was, and we used immigration. We could have used other issues, by the way. We could have used such, for example, a racial issue and things of this nature, but we used immigration. What we found is that conservative Christians actually address immigration and while they don't tend to be radical, you don't find an open borders type of mentality. You find more of a mentality of let's, let's legalize those who are here and protect our borders, sort of a comprehensive. But they were much more willing to advocate for legal change. They're much more willing to criticize the political party of the day that was not going far enough for immigration from their point of view. And just as I said, that progressive Christians tend to shy away from going too far to alienate their political allies. That does not seem to be the fear of conservative Christians. And one final thing, in the blogs, when conservative Christians talk about immigration, they often brought in scripture and traditional family values, and they use that to legitimate why they wanted the changes they did. And so I... I did not look at pro-immigration websites and blogs in general. My suspicion is that if I was to look at more secular sources of support for immigration reform, that you would not see this sort of appeal to family values and, and religious ideals, scriptural ideals that you do with conservative Christians. You also go into historical surveys of what has happened within the, the churches. One episode you write about has to do with battles that have taken place within the Baptist churches. Uh, what are some of those mm -hmm. battles that are relevant here? Yeah, so I think you see these battles in a lot of different churches right now. The Southern Baptist, just this past summer. While I would not say that you really have a lot of progressive Christian in the Southern Baptist, you are seeing battles in the Southern Baptist about you know, what is our faith, and, and you're seeing some, some schisms develop, but where you're seeing the real action is in the mainline denominations, because you're really seeing church denominational splits happening in those mainline denominations, as those who have a more progressive theological approach that leads them to the support of social justice, they uh, go in conflict with those who say we should not be doing social justice, we should be doing the gospel, and we are seeing those sort of splits happening, happening quite often in the mainline congregation. 
and this is and this is part of what we're we're arguing is that denominations and we're not the first ones to say this by the way but denominations has really become less important over time when it comes to religious identity in the United States in the United States what's more important our contention is theological perceptions which then lead to political differences which then can play out in denominations and can lead to the denominational split you uh you dig deeper into some of the some of the fundamental ideas that might be responsible for this progressively wide religious divide uh, is one of them that conservative emphasize everybody's innate sinfulness and that progressives they simply have a reaction against that whole, and, and it's a very fundamental reaction that they have. Is this one of the one of the core areas where the divergence begins? I do think that that is an incredible core area. You know, whether it is the source or just one of many different ways in which progressive Christians and conservative Christians differ on how they view the reality. The, the concept of hell, you know, what is hell for the conservative Christian compared to the progressive Christian, it's, it's quite different. The concept of who Jesus was, you know, is quite different. Now, I, I want to be careful. I'm not saying that progressive Christians say Jesus was just a good man. You know, many of them see him as the son of God, but they also don't see him as the only way uh, to salvation. And so, you know, what's the concept of the Bible? What does the Bible mean to a progressive Christian and a conservative Christian? It means different things because conservative Christians tend to see it as the inerrant word of God or at least some version of, if you don't like inerrancy, some version of that. Whereas progressive Christians don't tend to see it. They see it as obviously as a, a book of wisdom and, and, and a good book. But they, they say that conservative Christians worship the Bible rather than just really use it as a tool. So. There's just all these sort of different differences that arise out of what you would expect if you have a religious group that creates their meaning through social justice values as opposed to one that creates their meaning through their interpretation of a holy scripture that they feel like they have to adhere to. It provides progressive Christians with the flexibility in our culture and our society that conservative Christians don't always have. And it allows progressive Christians sometimes to see conservative Christians as holding them back, holding Christianity back, which may be one of the reasons why they're more sympathetic and more supportive of non, certain non-Christian groups. Yeah. Do they, does the same go for the idea and prospect of hell? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there's a more varied approach among progressive Christians. Some question whether hell exists at all or whether or not hell is just something we do here on earth, that we create our own hell and then that's there. Uh, those that believe, like concerned Christians, that there's literal hell, are, more, more, are, are likely to believe that not that many people are gonna go into that little, literal hell because all, people from all sorts of religions and even non-religions can find their way towards a paradise. And, you know, I, 
My guess, I, I want to presume too much, my guess is that hell will be reserved for truly evil bad people, like maybe Hitler or something like that. Uh, so so even, those, even those that do believe in a literal hell don't see it as expansive as conservative Christians. Yeah. Uh, one issue that comes up is, again, how Christians regard one another, especially across this partisan or political divide. Uh, how do... It's these progressive Christians, they really regard conservative Christians uh, often in, in, with a direct deal of condescension, if, if, not, if not worry. Do conservative Christians look at liberal progressive Christians in the same way? No, they don't. I mean, and once again, there are exceptions to this, and there are conservative Christians who have hard problems, who have hard time with progressive Christians, so forth and so on. So. That caveat's always there, because I, I know someone's going to hear this and say, well, I know it's a good Christian to hate the I'm always talking about that caveat. I've learned, I've learned, I've learned, I've learned. Uh, but on, on average, they don't. On average, the conservative Christian tends to see the progressive Christians as a different type of Christian. They tend to see them sometimes as weaker Christians, but still Christians. And what is interesting, and I think a a, a sub-finding that I think is very valuable is that in some ways, conservative Christians have a more expansive version of Christianity than progressive Christians. They are more inclusive of who is a Christian. And the reason why that is interesting is that we think, in fact, we know that conservative Christians tend to be less supportive, less accepting of people of other religions than more progressive Christians. But when it comes to other Christians, because the, the relationship is, is reversed. Progressive Christians are, are more exclusive, uh, exclusion, uh, exclusionary, and, and conservative Christians are more inclusive. So that's an interesting aspect. And I think part of it is that conservative Christians want to see a, a bigger tent because their identity is on being a Christian and they, and they like to feel like they're part of the majority. Right. And so I think that's part of what's happening there. You, you, you mentioned a moment ago, and you, you refer in the book a little bit to the biblical grounds of Christianity. If progressives begin to stray from the biblical injunctions to soften up on some of those more, more uh, uh, I don't know if you say doctrinaire uh, statements yeah. in the Bible, at what point does this mean that they're really not close to Christianity anymore. You know, I... I, I mean, it's a judgment. I, I answered it, right. right, 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 yeah. And, and as a social scientist, what I'm going to say is, anyone who says they're a Christian is a Christian. Now, you know, I'm, I'm also a Christian, and of course, I would draw my own boundaries, but, you know, this is a social science book, and it's not a book, it's not a book to a Christian publisher, and so I'm going to say, whoever says they're a Christian, they're a Christian. I don't care if, if they believe that God looks like a ram. They're, you know, they're a Christian. Uh, now, that question, though, becomes really interesting if you ask a sort of Christian. Because, obviously, they have boundaries. Their boundaries are more expansive than that of progressive Christians as to who is a Christian, but it, but it does exist. And here's where I think the, the, the notion that progressive Christians are weaker Christians is an illustration that they are heading towards those boundaries. They've not, tra- they've not overcome those boundaries yet but they're heading towards those boundaries. And what those boundaries would be, obviously, would vary from, from Christian to Christian. 
you know, some Christians may say, well, you have to renounce Christ before you no longer a Christian or something like that. Uh, so some may have very, very strong boundaries, but some may have weaker boundaries. Some may say, yes, if you, and I know there are some Christians who say, yes, if you don't believe in uh, some for certain forms of baptism, you're not a Christian. You know, there are some very particularistic sort of Christians. But for the most part, those boundaries are more expanded and more out there, but they do exist. And, and yes, a progressive Christian could violate those boundaries at some point. Now, uh, one thing that you know is that in this battle over Christianity, you say that progressives have a much clearer understanding of the nature of the battle. In, in what way? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that they understand, because they're Christians, I think the mistake that certain Christians make is that they assume that all these two people are with them. And I think it leads them to overestimating the amount of social power and capital that they truly do have. Uh, and I think that mistake comes up. And I think you see it in some of the ways that they engage politically and engage culturally. Uh, they, there, there seems to be an assumption that, hey, you know, we're Christians, we come out and, we, and, and other Christians will fall in line with us. Uh, and I think that that is a distortion of social reality. Progressive Christians have a much more clearer understanding of that social reality. They understand that not all Christians agree with them, and they don't count on other Christians to help them uh, unless they already know that they already agree with them. So in that way, because Christians have a a more honest, more accurate. I won't say honest, because that I don't want. To, I don't want to mean to say that because the Christians are being deceitful. They're not. They're just. They're just incorrect. A more accurate view of the landscape of Christianity in our society today. Final question, George. What? Uh, where is this religious divide going? I mean, if we really are in a situation where we have two Christians, uh, you know, among other mm-hmm. things, in in America. Where give give us give us thirty seconds on where you think this this divide is going to is going to end up. My best guess is that we will see a split in religion. How it will manifest itself exactly, that's an interesting proposition. I don't think it's gonna be one day we're gonna wake up and say, Okay, all you progressives over here, you're called this now. So over here, you're called this now. You know, it's not gonna be something like that. But I think that most likely, conservative Christians will retain the name of Christianity in some form or version, uh, and progressive Christians will will develop some sort of new identity, some sort of perhaps even new name for themselves because they'll feel embarrassed by conservative Christians, so they won't want to be called Christians anymore. You can see some of this with some of the movement out of evangelicalism by some people who say, "I don't want to be known as an evangelical any longer." Because of what happened in 2016, so so you, I think that that's sort of a that's not the same thing as moving out of Christianity, obviously. But I think you can see how that could take that could take place, how that could happen with Christianity as well as just with evangelical. So I think that's that's my best guess as to what's happened. I, I, I am pessimistic that progressive conservative Christians can come back together. I, I think that that I think that, that is, is unrealistic and not likely to happen. That that you'll see a sort of reunification. You may see a detente where they agree to try to be nice to one another, 
But as far as it coming together to working together, except for certain projects, that simply is not going to happen in any, any large number. The book is One Faith No Longer, The Transformation of Christianity in Red and Blue America. Professor Yancey, thank you for joining us. Thank you. And thank you for listening to our conversation, which has been supported by Wyoming Catholic College, which combines great books, the Catholic tradition, and the great outdoors of the American West into an extraordinary education. Go to wyomingcatholic.edu or contact the admissions office at 877-332-2930.